Welcome to Films and Swearing Slasher Sequel Season. You're listening to episode 203. Everything fucked up and we had to roll it into one episode. Welcome. Yes, it kind of says on the tin. What the fuck happens? A lot of fuck happens. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I'm... Once this one's obviously released, I think you should go back and listen to every introduction because every time your voice changes. Yes. Part of me is like, do in your head what sounds like Vincent Price? And there's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what Vincent Price sounds like because there's. I, I feel like I was just trying to do the impersonation of the guy doing the impersonation for last year's episodes. Yeah. And then it becomes a copy of a copy. And it's sort of like a full copier. The quality gets worse each time you go back and copy it again. Yeah. So I feel that's what was happening. Because what's a creepy voice? Do you have a creepy voice? Mm. What's your creepy voice? I'm not getting it. Aye. Because what's the... <laughs> it's either too creepy or too erotic. I can't, I can't unleash that on the folk, eh? Yeah. <laughs> like, folk are listening to this doing their day-to-day. They kind of be walking a bit stream. Oh, you bastard! Did you hear that voice? Hmm. Now I'm walking with wood. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. We need to hold back Mike's sultry tones for... I was going to say fucking random cases of... I was going to say erections, but... It's a bit much. This is not what we want to talk about. This is not like another Fifty Shades episode. <clears throat> no, thank fuck. No. This is the conclusion to our Slasher sequel season. Uh, my original laptop died, so our hardware was fucked. We were not going to sit around like a mobile phone and attempt to record yeah. discussions on Cycle 2 and Scream 4. <clears throat> so nope. we've rolled them into one big loose discussion. And if you're a Patreon listener, you'll also have the bonus review of Halloween. <coughs> Sorry, Halloween, two thousand eighteen. Had a a slight stroke there, but I'm back. Yeah. Back in the room, and ready to talk about some fucking slashy, slashy horror films. What's the first one we're going to talk about tonight? Uh, Cycle two. Yes, let's go in chronological order. Cycle 2 from 1983 from director Richard Franklin? Yeah. Yes. I typed that and I did not fact check it. I just knew it was him. And I also know the other name is Tom Holland. Yeah. But that was the writer, wasn't it? Yeah, he wrote the script. Yes. He was the one that directed um, Friday Night, which is probably one of my favourite vampire films. Aye. So... Um, right, let's get back to Cycle 2. Yeah. Mike, what's your history of the film? Um, it's only the second time I've seen it. I've, I only ever watched it first time this year, earlier yeah. on this year. I think it was you who gave me about it because you told me that it was pretty good. And Well, that was it. The, the same goes for me. I never really knew. I was, I was aware that there were sequels to Cycle, but yeah. I never actively seeked it out until, well, Arrow put forward their Blu-ray release and that's when I, I bit and decided to watch it and I 
I fucking really enjoy this film. Ah, uh, it's a good film. Second watch. Well, this would actually be maybe my third. At least my third watch of it. Because I remember watching it on my own first. And thought it was really, really good. And then I thought, right. Next day Margaret was there. And I was like, okay. We're going to have to watch this again. You, you need to see this. You'll enjoy this. And yeah. then I think I was in the exact same sort of mode when I saw it pass it to you. I was like, you need to watch this. This is really, really good. You'll like this. And it's one of these things where a sequel take place 20, about 20 years later. Yeah, 20, 22 years later. Exactly. And for it to actually work is yeah. really, really cool. Um, I mean, let's see, where do we start with this one? Obviously, our discussions tonight will be a little bit looser than our normal episode to episode. As we said, this is sort of like a crossover between our yeah. normal review style and uh, an off-season. So we're just going to be talking loosely about the films, but I'd still have some quite in-depth notes. I think um, the one thing that I really think is like really remarkable about this film is the fact that, as obviously they made it 22 years later, yep. but they've actually kind of implemented that... Um, He's always just coming out of his prison sentence for what he'd done in the first one. Yes. And it's aye. like the continuity. Aye, yeah. And it works really well because I haven't seen the first one in a good few years, but you didn't actually see like him getting like trialled or anything. No, nah. You just, I think it just finishes with him sort of like maybe in a holding cell. Yeah. And there's like a narration from his mother saying, oh, this boy wouldn't hurt a fly. And, and then that's when he gives that wee smile with the camera. Yeah. Ah, and you kind of get that two shot where it's him, but then you see the faint silhouette of like a skull. Like that slightly unnerving, terrifying shot to finish the film on. But yeah. ah, you don't get to see anything of him behind bars. It just cuts to him in court, and they've decided that he's saved his time, and he's sort of allowed to get back into society. Funnily enough, the first note I've got written down here, it's past all that. And it's actually just when he's working in the diner, and it's the introduction to his his counterpart of this film, Mary. Yeah. And it's the woman in the diner described her as poor girl, heart of gold, head of wood. Yeah. <laughs> you you think maybe for the sake we should actually scroll through the, the cast list, let people know who's in this one. Ah uh, yeah. So I mean, off the top of my head, I know we have Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. Uh, Dennis France. Yeah. As. Hey, Mr. Me. Aye, Mr. Toomey. Uh, Vera Miles is Leela Loomis. Meg Tilly is Mary Loomis. Robert Lagoya as Dr. Bill Raymond. I'm pretty sure they load because I'm, I'm pretty sure when there was a. There was like a, a, a running joke in Family Guy on how to. How it pronounced his name because I used to always think it was like like Lo- like Logia or something whatever but yeah pretty sure it's like Loja or ah. something but could be wrong. Uh, Other than that, Dennis France, as we said, is Toomey. Hugh Gillen is Sheriff John Hunt. Uh, Claudia Breyer as uh, Mrs Emma Spool, and Robert Allen Brown as Ralph Statler. I think that was the head the, of the yeah, chef. Yeah. Well, the ah, he was the the head cook. Yeah. And I worked in the restaurant. One of the great things about Cycle Two is this mystery of is Norman Bates 
cured. Yeah. His, all his psychotic, knife-wielding intentions gone. And they love to really draw that out in this one. There's, yeah. There's just all these great shots where it's him. It's just shots locked on his face. and Or it's like if he's just talking calmly. Like when he's kind of talking to uh, Mr. Toomey when he realises Bates Motel is now just like a, a wee sleazy Jagger Motel. And he's, he's just calm and he just talks and says, I want you to leave. And it's just... Something he has a great unsettling thing. Like he's it's like Liam Neeson in Taken, like talking on the phone. He could be calm, collected, but what he's saying to you could be absolutely terrifying. I feel yeah. Anthony Perkins has that same ability to kind of talk to you, but also scare the piss out of you at the same time. Because, well, Mister Toomey is like a, like a premium sleaze ball. Like yeah. that Dennis France plays it perfectly because. I was just about to doubt myself, but I'm positive he's the same cunt for Die Hard too. Ah, yeah, he's the one that's <clears throat> um, in charge of the airport. Yes. Aye, because there's that great shot at the end where there's like the two of them in the car, and there's like a one's a cop and the other one the the guy the security for the airport, and they're cousins. Oh, they're not they're brothers. Brothers. So they started from he's it's his brother that gives me clean the parking ticket. Aye. Fucking Dennis, please premium sleazeball so like even he's like this great heckler as well yeah like eh, where he was sitting telling telling off eh, I keep wanting to say Anthony Perkins Norman, Norman. Bates you know, he keeps wanting to say to Norman Bates hey at least my customers are having a good time here yeah and he fucking like orders them like you're fired get out of here and is it what about your customers eh they're dead, you loony! And <laughs> he's just fucking shouting at him as he's dragging Mary up to the hotel. Yeah. Well, to the up to Muller's house. Mm-hmm. But he's just fucking standing there and just fucking giving him all this verbal. Again, like his, whether his psychotic intentions are clear or not, when he goes to cut a sandwich for Mary and he oh, opens yeah, a yeah. drawer and the fucking lighting's perfect and it just shines on the blade and he's like, <gasps> and you think, oh, that girl's dead! He's going to just pick up and just start fucking hacking the lassie up. Yeah. I love those moments because it's just like, is he? Is he no? Yeah, because then it's a scene where he shows up at the diner and he's just been an absolute dick and obviously he sees that that note on the ticket board. Yes. And then he goes outside the thing and he's like arguing with uh, too many tons and he sees like the knife and the cake. Aye, and and he's like, aye, properly winds him up and like challenges him eh? uh, because to me again has been an absolute dick whereas like the, what could we get to I want a little bit of what Bates had last night he's trying to stick his hand up her skirt he's uh, like well, what the fuck are you doing but man what was the message that was left left from mother uh, was, something about that slut uh, yeah like fucking like not like that slut in my house again or something I uh, keep that whore out of my house and it just fucking spooked him and it was even his reaction to that was enough to fucking knock the chef behind him and was the fucking fryer went off and he got ah, scolded. Yeah. I think it's like for him getting like scolded with a fryer, he didn't really Re- seem that pissed off about it. Recovered he? quite quick. Yeah. <laughs> Aye. But I mean, I think one of the things that does that I find really unsettling about this film and its predecessor is like the voice of mother. Yeah. When you do hear it. Aye. It is 
very fucking creepy and very unsettling. Like an old witch. Mm-hmm. Aye. And it's just as well, it's like, a, well, I've got it in my notes and I'll probably say it then, but, like, I, but fucking Anthony Perkins fucking steals this film. Aye. Because it's, like, the, probably the standout moments is when he's on the phone to mother. Yes. And it's like he's in a trance. Aye. And he doesn't, like, pay attention to, like, what's going on around him or anything. Aye, because you've got fucking Mary trying to snap him out of it, yeah. saying, Mother's not there! And it's, it's like that, the, the same trend that you saw in Friday the 13th, where eventually having to dress like Mother Aye. to try and get him to pay attention to what they've got to say. I mean, Mary gets a belter of a line where she gets to tell off to me, where he's sitting teasing her in the restaurant, it's like, Come on then, what's Bates like? What was Norman like? And he's like, better than you, fat boy. And it's just like, oh, you didn't he? You didn't he? Because what came after that, like a few scenes later, was like Toomey's death. Aye, because um, Toomey shows up at the hotel, like drunk in his car and he's just shouting abuse at him. Chucking bottles, aye. And then it's him also packing and then it's just him, that's pretty much it, him getting... Getting his fucking face scratched. Yeah. Uh, it looked pretty gnarly. Uh, I didn't recognise, because new after I watched a horror film, I was like, did Tom Savini have anything to do with this? But yeah. no, he was not on this one as far as I'm aware. I'm actually, I have to admit, I'm quite a fan of the cinematography uh, in this film. There's some camera shots that are um, really, really good. Yeah, did you recognise who the cinematographer was? No, no. Dean Cundy. All oh, right. You've mentioned that already, yeah. whether we're on mic or not, but that was a yeah, regular was... for John Carpenter. Aye. Aye. Because there's these great shots where they're, well, when they're in um, Norman Bates' house and it's Norman Bates walking out of the bedroom, but it's like, it's like a, almost like a security camera shot where it's like they're on the ceiling looking down at him, but he's looking up at the attic yeah. It's that sequence where he goes up and that ends up getting himself locked in there when I think it was like the Randy teenagers were in the basement. Yeah. And I mean, of all the places to go, Shag, you walk past the motel and go into the basement of the big creepy house yeah. and roll out the dirty old mattress. Mm. Just a cup of feel? No. Uh. <laughs> That's what cards are for, surely. You just, Or is this like maybe like a, a thing... Because what you, like a a rite of passage, you have to go up to the old fucking Bates house and fucking shag in the basement before yeah. you cry yourself. Um, also, we talk about the cinematography and that, like me and you have both said on numerous occasions, like how much we love and adore the front cover. Yes, you know, like the blue or the whatever. original poster. Yeah, and it's obviously the silhouette of fucking. Norman Bates outside the house. Yes. With a light on way, the silhouette of mother. Aye. <clears throat> One thing I'm kind of glad that I, like, I never done when I first watched the film was I never really looked at the cast. Yes. Because the cast kind of ruins... Spoils... Spoils... Ma- uh, yeah. Mary's cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... When you watch the film for the first time, she is just this lassie in a diner that takes a shine into yeah. to Norman. But you find out halfway through, she is the niece. Yeah, the niece of, of um, Janet Lee's character for the first one. Yes, aye. 
because it's Loomis, as the surname is, isn't it? Yeah. So she's so they're deliberately trying to wind him up and get him put back behind bars. Yeah. Her and her mother, but she also finds this this soft centre to Norman and kind of I was gonna say not falls for him, but I think she almost feels sorry for him. Yeah. Because. You just see how Bates is constantly doubting himself. Yeah. Uh, like especially where he thinks at first like he sort of assumes he's fine. But then when things start happening, so this must be mother. This is clearly something that I'm doing. Like when the fucking plumbing starts backing up blood oh, yeah. in the fucking toilet and it all <clears throat> comes up for the bathtub and he's like, I, I must have killed the teenagers in the basement and I flushed it I flushed their, their clothes down here. And fucking Mary's like just trying to calm him down, thinking he's gone absolute nuts. Like or trying to tell him he's not going nuts. And then obviously Mary's obviously like thinking that this was like her mum that was part uh, of this and then she's like, well, can if I actually know me. Aye. Which kind of makes you think that who is, is there somebody else or is it actually Norman and Norman acting as mother again? Because it does it's when he gets those calls from his mother, it is chilling. You've said it yourself how yeah. he just kinda That trance he goes into Aye and he just stares, he's looking at nothing, but he's just so content listening to the sound of his mother's voice and even when Mary grabs the other phone, there's nobody there. Yeah. Or she assumes it's just her mother. Mm-hmm. Phoning them, giving them orders. I mean, the the next note I have here is just when he fucking gets a hold of the mother, like uh, Vera Miles' yeah. character, when they're they're having an argument in the basement, and he gets the fucking knife. It just fucking yeah. it's a horrible kill. Aye, but it's like a proper choke on that mm-hmm. <laughs> kill. It's like properly just down through the throat and she's like oh. it's a fucking great kill but it's at that point it's like well Norman snapped again yeah but it was, she was properly pushing him aye you feel like if that was tinned to court it was like I'll be siding with Norman in this case even though he did brutally fucking end that yeah. woman's life and I, f- I think as well like fucking um, Robert like when it all came to Leads up to the final, like, fucking 50 minutes of the film. And, Aye. Um, like, they find the car, the Tumi, and they find the body in the book. Yeah. And um, they're obviously assuming that it's fucking Norman that's done it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Mary runs back to the house and can want him to park and leave. Aye. And then she starts dressing up in the fucking gear again. Just so she could... And it's fucking, like, she's... It's when the phone goes again, he's, like, in that wee trance and disappears. Aye. And then... The, Camera's like obviously fits it in her, but the camera pans back a wee bit to see somebody coming over her shoulder, mm-hmm. and she fucking it's um, the psychiatrist. Aye, and he gets it fucking bad as well. I know, like bad enough, he gets yeah, a yeah. stab, but the fact that he falls over the banister and lands like on it and it and like, it drives the blade in. Yeah. Oh, it's gruesome. It's it's just the th- I have that fear of just the thought of people falling over banisters. It's just one of those like. Hor- most horrible things to see and just the fact that you've been stabbed and then that fall and then the shot of the fucking blade it's a definite cringe worthy moment yeah. just oh nah, there's he's no getting back up for that <laughs> that's it and then um, she kind of like goes into like self defence mode when um, he's like talking about his mum and stuff and she's fucking she's like 
it's like she's kind of like like stabbing it, but no fully going through because it's almost like just like the point of the blades hitting him. Aye, she's and like, then she's like stabbing both his fucking hands. I know, and it's <clears throat> and it's just he's in he's possessed. It, it mm. just, he's still just so calm, but he's taking like all these fucking stings for the knife, and he's just like, no, it's okay, come on now, and he's just she's fucking fighting for her life, but. And then it's when they're in the basement, they find grisly. they find the mum's fucking body. Oh, I buried amongst the was it the coal? Aye, aye. And it, it's it's just like that great because it's like a dummy or a defect, and it's just because you just see like the aye. mouth, and it's just like oh, that's horrible. And then obviously the police come in and shoot her. Aye, it's definitely. Like, and then also you do kind of think that that's the end of it, but exactly. then you get this fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant twist. Aye. Where, where uh, Mrs. It's, Mrs. Spool. Yeah. For the diner. Yeah. Who you kind of, who's forgotten about. Like, she's in it for a minute, and she's that devout Christian woman. Yeah. Just shows up, just in time for a toasted sandwich. Yeah, but then to, like, say that she's actually his mum. Aye. And it was weird, because at first he was like, that all oh, right? He's calm, but he's sitting making a cup of tea, and it's they, they talk briefly about them being like a poison tea bag or something. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant it's, again. The cinematography where she it's has the upside tea. down, like it's uh, a camera, it's a camera for above looking. Exactly, that great aerial shot where it's just she has the tea and it starts taking effect. And I mean, what was the line? Was it something like "Won't you stay for a sandwich"? And then just fucking scalps her over the top of the head with a shovel. Yeah. And, and I mean, like the force like breaks the fucking breaks chair. Breaks the fucking chair. The legs. It, it, oh. And it's great. If you do watch back, you just see it. It's a stuntman with a, a thick uh. wig. <laughs> because even then, would, would, sure, it'll be like a, maybe like a rubber shovel. But still, it looks like a yeah. fucking horrible shot to take. Uh. Right on the napper. I reckon if there's like a blood squib in there. Because I've... I've but, but I mean, surely with, with the rat poisoning, with the with the damage of the the hit to the head, it surely kills her. Then oh, right, that's it. Clock to it's. But as you said, the fucking chair is obliterated. Yeah. And then it's just the camera just pulling out, and you get to see the devastation from above. Yeah. I fucking love that bit. And then you get him basically picking up. Yes. Um, thing with him carrying it up the stairs, and he's talking away. And then it's not till he goes inside the room and you get the fucking voice of the conversation oh, mother. with mother. Aye. And then that's when you get that fucking artwork. Yes. With the, with the... The final the, shot of the yeah. house. And then that's pretty much Aye. where it ends. Aye. And it's, it's one of those things where I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. I was really surprised at how, how good that ended up being. Yeah. yeah. Like, I actually, when I watched it today, when I watched it back, I forgot about... Um, the reveal of his mum at the very like, end. Uh, yeah, like or uh, or her yeah. admitting she's. I mum. remember him like hitting her with a oh, shovel, I... but I couldn't remember the conversation beforehand. So yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck, I missed this first time. Mm-hmm. It is. It's definitely what I feel. That, I was gonna say it's overlooked, but the fact that it's had a an Arrow blue Blu-ray release is proves it's no longer. Overlooked. If that was still on DVD and no being touched, yeah, we would be screaming for that to get released now. But yeah, Arrow were savvy enough to put that out, and I think it comes with a, a director's own 
maybe not a director's commentary, but I think possibly Tom Holland's um, was doing the commentary. Ah, uh, yeah, audio commentary with Tom Holland. Yeah, because I think there was like a touch of trivia, um, like in the first shot of the restaurant. There's someone playing like a Space Invaders arcade Aye. cabinet, and it, it's either the director or it's Tom having just like a wee sneaky cameo being in the background know. of one of the shots. I think I they were really nice. I think it might have been the director now that they were wanting to do it as like that, a throwaway cameo, much uh, similar to how Hitchcock would do similar cameos in his film. It would never be like a main thing, it would maybe be in the background having a cup of tea, Aye. but that was always his touches. So I felt they felt well. They felt they need mm. to do something similar. Um, I'm pretty positive that none of us have seen the second, uh, the third, or the fourth one. Eh? No, I desperately, desperately want to, but mm. they're not available. It's well, yeah. so there is DVDs or a DVD box set that could be purchased. They are not streaming online, unfortunately. Because yeah. the third one, I'm trying to think where the third one takes place again. Can't remember. But I know that the fourth one's today with the radio station, the radio yes. like DJ. Aye. It's, and it's, I've seen the trailers to them. It's kind of like a, a prequel, sort of, it's called like the beginning. All right. Yeah. Okay, so it's time for you to hit me with the, the BBT then, Mike. Yeah. Um, <laughs> i just seen your eyes look up there and it's like that fucking... Yeah. He remembered the BBT. I know. Son of a bitch. Uh, what do you reckon the budget for this one was? Fucking hell. 1983. I, I want to say 5 million. I always feel like it's my Fucking default. Bang on the money. Oh, Bang oh. on the money. 5 mil. Yes. Um, I could only get domestic uh, takings. I feel through. I had to make it back. Yeah. Uh, took in 34. Million worldwide. I really no worldwide domestically. Well, aye, domestically because, well, that's it. We talked about other films for around that time. Because what time? What year did uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four? Nineteen eighty four was yeah. So, and we talked about how that made some crazy bank. So it must have been like slashers being red hot at that time. Yeah. So, bringing back old properties like Psycho. And turning that into a slasher must have been like I would have loved to have seen like the original audience reactions mm-hmm. to it if that was like a proper blockbuster in the day. Yeah. So now is the budget box office. What is the trivia? Um, I've I've got, I've got two bits of trivia since we're kind of showing it down. Cool. But I've I found a real interesting piece of trivia, and it was about um how Meg Tilly was never allowed to watch any sort of TV as a child. All right. So she had never seen the original Psycho and right. she was unaware of its uh, significance. Aye. And she didn't understand why like, the press were giving all the attention to Anthony Perkins. Yeah. And uh, on one day on the set, um, Perkins overheard her saying, why is Tony getting all the attention? And apparently <laughs> he was really like upset, then they talked to her during filming and recommended that she be replaced even though half her scenes had already been shot. Jesus Christ. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Perkins could be a bit of a diva. And this other one was um, producer Hilton A. Green originally suggested Jim Lee Curtis to play Mary Loomis due to her like, lineage. Her, yeah, due to being the daughter of Janet Lee and all that. Because mm-hmm. she was obviously hot property 
after of Halloween and stuff. Definitely. Yep, that's the two I've got there. Cool. Right, uh, moving on to 2011's Scream 4 from director Wes Craven. Mm. Now, I'll ask first, was there any particular reason behind you choosing that one for the season? Um, I think it's just because, obviously, we had... We had Texas Chainsaw 2, we had um, Friday the 13th, part 4, mm. we had um, Psycho 2, and I, I needed a good like fourth film. Aye. And, I, and I, I think a lot of people might have probably would have been watching like, Halloween 4 and stuff, but Scream 4 is the only one I've only ever watched once. Okay. So I kind of really wanted to like, watch it. Yeah. So well, that, was, that was my next question. What was your history with the film? Now... At the time of its release, did you catch it in cinemas? Did you wait for home uh, release? Nah, I just uh, waited for it on, like online or whatever. Yeah, I I caught it in cinemas. I think I was. Oh, was that when the region had it? No, I was in Edinburgh for some reason, uh-huh. and I ended up double billing it. Like it was fucking it must have been like a fucking reboot night because I went and saw like American Pie or American Reunion. Uh, right. And Scream Four in like the same evening. I mean, I went to see that same year. I seen um, Cabin in the Woods and then American Reunion, Reunion or the other way about. Yeah, aye, because that was it. it was, I think it was just the fact it was on, or we'd come out of one and we thought, "We've not got anything else planned. We'll go fire back in and see another film." And that was it. It was just like, "Fuck it, let's go see Scream 4 And it's always one of those films where. When watching it last night, by the time it finished, I kind of thought to myself, Scream 4 isn't a bad film, is it? No. It's one of those things where you're watching it and you're kind of like trying to make up your mind. Whereas, like, is this being played out too far? Is this almost a parody of itself? Like, the first ten minutes. Ah, the first, the first ten minutes is completely meta, eh? Ah, exactly. And fuck, they even... They even bring up the word meta and just like, what the hell does it mean? It's like, I don't know, it's what all the kids are saying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like so on the nose. They know they're being ridiculous at times. Yeah. And you're just wondering, fucking Wes Craven, like, you just wonder. Like, uh, I mean, that's, um, I think this, I think, I'm trying to actually think if there's been a director that's made all four films in a franchise. Aye. Because he's made all four of them, eh? Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think. There's nobody that's held on to their property that much. No. Nah. Mm-hmm. Because it's not happening in what horror that I could think of. Obviously, yeah. you had Toby Hooper, Hoover, Toby Hooper started with Texas Chainsaw yeah. and Chainsaw 2, but uh, that, I yeah, think that could have been yeah. it. Yeah. And obviously Carpenter only done Halloween. Um and I think it was known that he famously he refused to direct the rest. Yeah. Um and, and then I, th- I think Wes Craven only done Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yep. And he done New Nightmare. Aye. So and that's it, the fact that this man has two horror franchises under his belt as well. One yeah. obviously we just said it like Nightmare on Elm Street, but from the actually have, pun intended, a second stab at it, and successfully yeah. launch another franchise. Yeah, I mean he was. I think his his first film was that uh, Last House on the Left. 
which was a was a fucking kind of like a landmark, aye. like horror film, but it's kind of horror film for the wrong reasons. Aye, aye. It's always been one of those ones I've heard about, but I've never been brave enough to look it out. Yeah, and watch it. it's it's like aged really badly. The remake isn't too bad. I'm trying to think. Um, Jesse Pinkman for Breaking Bad's in the remake, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who else. Can't remember. But the I think the remake is on for a bit longer, and it's probably maybe just as violent. I think. Yeah. But I mean, obviously Wes Craven's fucking big for his um, Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream, and I mean, totally. like we grew up with Scream. Yes. I remember, like, Aye. I remember watching, still, I still remember watching the first one in my mum and dad's house, way that day, and absolutely fucking, pretty sure I shot myself when the mask came on the screen for the first time, <laughs> and I fell off the fucking side of the bed. Well, that's, I, <clears> I had the memories of most of these films with you, because your family renting the first one, then I remember us staying with, with our auntie, it was like me, you... There was a deaf kid, and we had a copy of Scream 2, and we watched that, because I think there was like a, even there was a video rental shop, which is now like a tanner studio, uh, and we were allowed to choose any film, and it was Scream 2, Yeah. so that was the first time we watched that, and I was in two minds about watching it, because part of me was like, right, I'm here, and there's a couple of us. I will watch it. I'm a bit terrified, but I'll watch it and pretend it's not a big deal. The thing is, like when you when you when you look back on them, I think the first one is the most serious one of a lot of them. Yes. Second one's a bit more lighter. Aye. And, and, and the third one, I, I think you gave me a tape of the third one, and I just remember the fucking throwing. I reckon who was throwing it? Who? But I think Ghostface threw a hammer and hit fucking Dewey. Oh, he throws it, throws a knife at him, and the handle hits him in the head. That's it. And he yes, falls down, he the, falls stairs. down the stairs like an absolute klutz. Yeah. Aye. So uh, it does that, and then you've got the fucking famous Jay and Silent Bob cameo, uh, where they mistake Courtney Cox for Connie Chung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I forgot about that. Aye. So they were like that's as much as I remember about the fucking third one, but I do remember the tone lightning as they went on and. This fourth one, again, goes with such a mixed tone of, yeah. at times it's a horror and it, at times it's almost a parody. Like Again, yeah. that fucking introduction where it's like a dream within a dream within a dream. Oh, yeah. But you're watching Stab 7 or something to begin with. Yeah. And then it cuts to... Is it Anna Paquin? Yeah. And... Yeah, Carson Bell. Yes arguing over it and then they eventually start stabbing each other yeah now did I can't remember did that then reveal itself to be a stab film yeah. itself uh, aye and then you get the the real like opening yes again that was too lassie that gets butchered but this time it is yeah is he just Craig Ghostface yeah aye cause that's a, a, I, I keep forgetting that until you actually watch a Scream film and they start referring to him as the ghost face killer. And this. Yeah. But it was good to see that. There was like a a few... I've, I'll mention it as like a few famous faces pop up, but it's sort of like before they were famous. Yeah. And like Alison Brie. Aye. Was like the wee... She was the, like the PR person for, um, for the, the Sydney bo- Press Corps. Yes, aye. 
Uh, Anthony Anderson, obviously, he, he was ah, famous he, enough already. Yeah. And the same way, like Adam, Adam Brody. Brody. Yeah, he was a deputy or whatever. Eh? Exactly. So they were like a wee, a wee duo. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting to see that, is that Hayden, how do you pronounce that sentence? It's like Panatera from yeah, the Heroes. Exactly, save the cheerleaders. She's like, she's like the fucking, like the, the, the horror fucking exactly. person in the group. Like she kins everything about the horror like genre and stuff. Aye, challenging that one, uh, Culkin. Oh yeah. Macaulay aye. Culkin, one the, sibling. Uh, I fucking forget how many of them are there. They must have a big fuck up family. Like. Yeah, they, they do. Let's run through the remaining cast members. For our audience at home, scream for. You know, I, I ended up renting this last night. I went uh, on Amazon, and Amazon had Scream 1, 2, and 3 on Prime for free, but you had to fucking pay for the oh, fourth one. Oh, you and dirty like, bastards, Amazon. Yes, like, there's no needs. Um, it's like, like on, um, on Netflix. Netflix have randomly just got Friday the 13th Part 5. Like on it for free. Yeah. Why? And I'm like, why can't I just like. So we have Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott, Courtney Cox as Gail Wellers Dash Riley, David Arquette as Dewey Riley, Lucy Hale as Sherry, I think she was one of the fucking staff. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roger Jackson as The Voice. Yeah, pretty much just does the voice for every film. Uh, Sheen, Sh- Shania Grimes Beach as Trudy. Uh, Dana Farwell as Ghostface, Anna Paquin, Kirsten Bell, Amy Teagarden as Jenny, Britt Robertson as Marnie, Alison Brie as Rebecca Waiters, Hadian Padrathingway yeah. as Kirby, Emma Roberts as Jill Roberts. So many, so many fucking lassies. Uh, Eric Knutson as Robbie Mercer. Rory Culkin. Aye. Is he the one that pees the bed? It's like he's had two cokes and he's fucking <laughs> grinning. I can't remember. I think that might be him all growing up. <laughs> I just wish there's like memes of him just drinking in it now. Nah, man, that can't be because Because been Home Alone came out, that was 1990. This kid must have been about maybe five or six. 89, so uh, he was still just being a fucking toddler. Yeah. In fucking nappies. I'm still looking like it, but aye. Yeah. Nah, I'm pretty sure that's another nah. one of the Culkins, like. Nah, he, he got on the scene in Richie Rich. <sighs> playing Young Rich. Made out. He was he was one of the ones that was in Signs. Alright. Uh, aye. As we said, Anthony Anderson, uh, Gordon Michaels is Deputy Jenkins. I was about to say, did Wes Craven have a, a cameo in this? Um, I think he always kind of does. Was he not like a Johnny in one of yeah, the? Yeah, he, he was a he was a Johnny. He was a Johnny in the first one, and he had a a hat on, and he had a red oh, and green sweater like yes. Freddy Krueger. Aye, aye. And he's the, the name of the Johnny was called Fred. Right. Aye. <laughs> but now there was there was I was looking through the trivia, and I was trying to pick up like a couple of trivia notes, and one of the ones I seen was that during like the production. Wes Craven like created like a poll or something online and like a list of like cameos that he can play for folk to like vote All but right. the like studio like opted against it. Oh. Would it be a bit harmless? A good way to involve Aye. the film community. Um now 
it was strange to watch. Like, obviously, 2011, it felt surprisingly dated. I reckon it was just with the amount of technology that was incorporated in it. Like, seeing all the cutting about with their phones, but it was hearing, like, the old-ass ringtones. Uh, it made it feel like the film was a lot older than it actually is. Mm. And the same with, like, the kid going about with the headset, like, yeah. doing the live streaming. It just looked so clunky, but maybe that was cutting edge in fucking 2011. Yeah. Like, it would be funny to go back and think if that was really advanced or not. Because uh, now, like, fucking nowadays, there's no, like, I think, like, Snapchat glasses or something then. Uh, so, like, what would the fucking equivalent nowadays be? Or Google glasses. But, actually, did I ask, what was your, your opinion of the film? Um, I quite liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what I would... I think it's maybe my... Third, yeah, it's definitely my third favorite of the franchise. Was I think I like the first and second one that much more? Yeah. Well, like the third end, like the, uh, the third end's pretty much bottom of the pile. Aye. This one was pretty decent. It was weird because, like, obviously, they talk about like 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 new generation, new rules and stuff. Aye. And it like towards like the end and it, it was almost like a carbon copy of the original. Definitely. It, it was obviously. Played for that reason because yes. they even it's say the that whole, themselves. Like, trope and all that, you know. Because what what's what's the town? The Woodsboro. Aye. Because the, the the all the news reports at the end like Woodsboro's murders rebooted. Yeah. Things like that, but it is that was Scream was like the first film where it kind of showed you smart fans. Ah, yeah. It was. Ah, it was basically like. This it was almost like a, it was almost like a spoof, but it was a more yeah. Ah, it showed you horror serious. movie fans and the fact that, and the established rules and it was like yeah, and there was and things was like that. Di- it was different and it was fucking at work. I it almost set a tone for like the rest or films that followed after it. It was then pretty sure break like, the patterns. Yes, yeah. so I'm pretty sure the year after we got a, I know we did last summer exactly again, which was a a good film. Aye, definitely. Obviously. One of the things that makes this film, we said like his name already, Roger Jackson, like the voice of Ghostface, is always what makes a fucking scream film for me. Aye. It's that sadistic, gravelly yeah. voice. I mean, at its peak is when he's fucking having it out with Kirby over the phone. Oh, yeah. When he's fucking testing her and she's getting him his good back. But it, it is, it's just, could you say it's an iconic voice? Ah, you probably would. Like, it's ah. a voice you would, you would like, so like, what's the word I'm looking for? Ah, it's a famous voice. Yeah, it's a voice you would basically... If you heard it anywhere, you knew exactly what it's ah. from, and that guy, I imagine, probably makes daft money for just doing, like, people's... Voice acting and ah, stuff. and even, maybe, like, at horror cons, doing Fox answer messages. Yeah. Or just fucking doing prank phone calls for folk. Yeah. Like, that guy probably doesn't need to pay for a drink at a bar. <laughs> There's always a like, fuck probably they came what you fucking looks like. Yes. Because that's the thing, like, because he's got that voice in it. I'll say when you look at, um, like, when you get, like, the, like, really well-known voice actors for, like, film trailers. Yeah. And uh, they make their money that way, but they've obviously... Just looks like a totally normal dude. Yeah. Aye. Because that's it. It's not them on the camera. It's, it's them yeah. in the, the recording booth, but... Um... Obviously, we talked about this was Wes Craven's last film. Was it? Yeah. Okay. This was the last one where he died. What year was it? 2011. That, that he, he died. died. Oh, he died in uh, 2015. Right. 
That was the last film he made. Yeah. I don't think he made much else. I remember watching some of his last ones. I just particularly remember Red Eye. Oh, yeah. Where, uh, yeah uh, Killian Murphy. And, that's it. Yeah. It was... Um, I I've kind only of ever watched it. it once. It was all right. It was like, what, 90 minutes? Uh, almost. I think even less than that. But it was like one of the things where it was it was more of an intense thriller rather than a horror. But Killian Murphy is an unsettling dude. Ah, yeah. And, and a fucking unstoppable machine in that film. Yeah. I've only watched it once. It's one of the ones that I kind of want to actually go back and watch. Aye. I think... Um, I think when I was when I was watching the film there, I forgot that Anthony Anderson was in it. Yes. And I mean, I, like we can go out watching like films with like Anthony Anderson and I. Yeah, it's quite funny. Exactly. And, it, and I mean, he kind of does get a wee bit of a bad in. Aye, that that fucking death, the fucking knife to the brain. Yeah. And I forgot it's, the conversation before it. But he's talking with his partner and joking about like fucking getting like stabbed and. Yeah. Like, with, like, their tongue, like, hanging out and shit like that. Aye. And it's kind of almost like they're foreshadowing it sort of thing. Aye. But what was the association with Bruce Willis? Oh, were, yeah. Were they Ta- talking Die Hard, or...? They were talking about, like, like fucking, like... Because, obviously, it's a film, like, set within a film and stuff. They're talking about, like, like the cops in this situation and all that, like, and, and films that, like, Aye. primarily star, like, Bruce Willis. Aye. And it's just when he's fucking... It's when he gets like stabbed in the head, yes, and he comes out the car and he's fucking he's brilliant. swishing about, and then he can just force the ground. He's like, "Fuck Bruce Willis," uh-huh. and he just dies. I know, and I remember that part, and I think I even remember the audience reaction in the cinema. I think that got a fucking big reaction, just going, <laughs> "Fuck Bruce Willis," like famous last words. Yeah. But I was watching it last night. I just didn't catch the fucking first Bruce Willis reference. Yeah. I only caught that one at the end, but. It's still, it was just a visual of the fucking bullet just right in his head. Yeah. And they pull it out and then it's like this thick, dark red blood. And I think you just assume instantly he should be dead. Flatlined. Yeah. But it's just the struggle. And then as he's all fucking shutting down, obviously, as he's, he's absolute fucked. And he's just like fighting nothing. Yeah. And how? Aye, because Adam Brody gets killed first in front of him. Aye. Because they're sitting winding each other up. Ah, because they're outside the the house at the end. Uh, uh, aye, they're outside. Neighbours house. Aye. Yes. That death is aye. a good one where they're calling up and say, I'm in the closet. And like... Ah, I thought that was a, I thought that was a well worked. Yes. I, when watching it last night, I kind of remembered that he was in not their closet. Yeah. But it is like a great... Because they're on edge. They're watching Shaun of the Dead. And it's like... It's so on the note... Well, I keep saying on the nose, but with its continued references to horror, but I think it's just Aye. the continued modernisation of horror, and for we'll be watching more modern horror films. Aye. And there's just the fact that it was the other closet, and you've seen him dive it, and the camera's set up perfectly, where you can see them, and you can see the house like, across the way. And, and it's like, like we talked about fucking uh, Norman Bates getting stabbed in the hand. Like she Aye. gets fucking stabbed in the hand Straight as well. Straight away, yeah. yeah. But it's when they get to the house and it's an absolute bloodbath. The Aye, walls she's just are open, covered. And she's just lying there in a big puddle of intestines. <laughs> Margaret didn't he stay for the whole film, but when she saw that part, it's like, 
why were the intestines? Why? Because <laughs> there's always it's like that bit. There's always the bit that's a little bit too much. Mm. Like it's, it's, it could get gory, but then when you start seeing the contents, their stomach's like, nope. <laughs> so just when she's there, huddled up, and all the fucking intestines poured out on the bed, it's like, it's grim. It's <laughs> definitely grim. Now, do you have a favourite character from this? I'd probably. Anka thought. Uh, Emma Roberts' character is pretty good. And then obviously with the whole reveal. Yes. When you watch it the first time and you see um, Robbie fucking disappear out of the room after being basically cock-blocked by the boyfriend. Aye. And then all the shit kind of starts at me thinking, ah, maybe he's one of them. Aye, because... And I was... Kind of was maybe expecting it to be like Kirby and that. And then I was obviously when you get the reveal that it was her that was one of the killers. Aye. And her like plan, like the plan that she had afterwards. Yes. But then obviously she kind of fluffed her lines when she. up. Aye. And what was it? These films are more or less like one big guessing game because you've seen it three times already. So by now, is it right? Look at all these people. You've got the ex-boyfriend, Trevor, where, like, there's one shot where fucking Ghostface manages to run out the back door just in time, and then seconds later, in comes Trevor running in out of breath, wearing similarly dark clothes, and you're like... But then that was what was so... That was what was so ingenious with the first thing, because remember when we watched the first thing, we were all running through his... Who was it going to be? And we kind of had an idea that there's a boyfriend, and then when we seen him... Getting Aye. stabbed, we thought, well, can that's him at the fucking picture? But then, Aye. obviously, it was the thought of there was, could be two. Yeah, that was like, how how did we not think that there could be more than one? Yeah, and because obviously, when the when the last got stabbed in the opposite house, yes, when the police went there, they says that the scene them running that way, and the two of them ended up like meeting each other. Exactly, it kind of gives you the idea that there there obviously is more than one. Aye. I'd probably would say my favourite character of it would actually be Kirby. Mm. And I'm using the American term here. Uh, the best way to describe her is spunky. Uh. I can't even describe her in Scottish term as spunky. <laughs> because that's very different than what... A very different thing. Because, is it because maybe she's like... Like, if she was a guy, she would be one of the guys sort of thing. She is. She's definitely like... Cooler than the fuck around there. She's she's all hopped up on her movie trivia. You kind of had that connection between her and Rory Culkin on like the little trivia off, and she was like one of these ones where she was these sort of scared. Mm-hmm. Like when they have their first sit down with the cops, and she's like, "I never got the call. Does that mean now next? Does that, I'm gonna die first? And she's just sort of almost like a fanatic, but. It was just like one of the more interesting characters that they've written for it. Yeah. So, because usually each of these films has like one person who's like the movie buff. Right, and that was also like Randy in the first two. Exactly. And with these ones, there's a few, there's a cinema club. So, it's like those guys, uh, the guy with the head cam and Rory Culkin were sort of two, but then she was equally as cool. What's cooler though? She's got boobs, instantly cooler than the other ones. Yeah. So she was a good one but I've always kind of got like that soft second uh, second place for Dewey mm. but he's, a, he's like a lovable idiot 
But no wonder scary movie fucking like casted more or less like a retard to play his part because <laughs> at times it, he's almost retarded yeah. the way he acts in these films. Uh, like like one of the characters from that I just didn't care for was fucking uh, Gale. Yes. I just, I reckon if I was just tired of the whole Gale thing, like mm-hmm. the way she was kind of like portraying herself in the film and I was like, can like, like when I seen her get stabbed, I thought, oh, finally. Aye, and she looked like a wee bit, maybe a wee bit work's been done. Because uh, I know, honestly, famously, she had two big bowling ball tits in the longest, oh, longest yeah, yard with Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah. But well, this one, she kind of had like the duck pouty lips. Uh, uh, see, they're like uh, a wee bit Botox, and there's some filler going on there. But she was, she was, that character is getting a bit tired. I would agree with you there, but. Um, there was like also that dynamic of Officer Judy flung in uh, there, and that was one of my early guesses. Like, could she be in on it? Oh, uh, was it when she was in that conversation with Sydney about the two of them were in class at high school? Aye, uh, like there was history there, and, but she also kind of had that look where she could be a bit of a psycho bitch if she wanted to. Yeah, and Nibby would sort of suspect it was a cop and things like that because. The whole first reveal when they find uh, the boot of her car Aye. with the mobile phone, the old flip phone, and there's blood and a knife, and you're just thinking, how the fuck did that happen? You just, it is, you're just, these films are just terrific guessing games where you're just thinking, right? It's like you're playing Clue, you're just trying to think who's done it and see if you can outsmart the film, but yeah. these films are so smart now to the point where it's the fucking, the leading lassie. Yeah. pretty much turns out to be the killer and you're like fucking hell because when I I was watching it last night I forgot about her Yeah, I just knew that Rory Culkin was one of them was one of them and I just assumed his wee film club buddy was the same until he starts getting stabbed outside he's like but I'm gay I, that breaks <laughs> yeah. the rules <laughs> yeah does it help I <laughs> Please, what if I suck dick? So <laughs> 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 the knife's already in your chest. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's, now. that that kind of gives you like the overall tone of the film. That like when I was reading like some of the stuff about the film, and it's like a lot of the deaths are kind of played for fun a wee bit. Yes, like that Anderson one, that one there, and all that. But um, one of the is the fucking mum. Getting in the back through the letterbox, uh, like, oh, yeah. it, was a, it was like a wee bit cheeky. It was <laughs> the knife through there. It made me fucking think back to. I, I don't want to keep comparing them to scary movie, but in the second one, where the glory hole in the toilet cubicle and he gets the fucking <laughs> dick through his ear. Yeah. It was just when she fucking leaned forward and the wee knife was peeking through the letterbox. Uh, I was like, hey. <laughs> My last note is the the fucking ending, like the over the top ending where. Obviously, you have. Is her name Joy? Emma Roberts' character being wheeled in jail, being wheeled in the hospital, and like her grand plan, like when Rory Culkin started doing things, where it's like, okay, just like what was their names, uh, Stu and uh, Billy. Aye, uh, the fact that they're having said right, just like Stu and Billy hit me right in the shoulder, go for it, <sighs> and she fucking digs yeah. him in the chest, and and it's like obviously the spotlight's over her. And then all of a sudden, it's like Ed Norton at a fight club, sitting throwing uh, herself about yeah. the fucking house, smashing her face of Wendy's, throwing herself yeah. through tables. 
running the knife into her shoulder. Exactly. It's like she's fucking trying to get an audition for the Jackie Chan stunt team. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing yourself through glass tables. Set all hen. But it was you almost kind of thought she did literally like actually kill off like Sydney Prescott and yeah. you knew Gail kind of took it to the shoulder but the fact that she stabbed because they were cousins Aye. wasn't it yeah. stabbed her in the stomach and all she wanted was this internet fame yeah like just the fucking following to come forward and you think nowadays that's probably more true than anything the amount of fucking what people are more famous for nowadays is the fact that they're YouTube stars or they're fucking yeah. Instagram celebrities and things like that. So, yeah. Wes Craven was onto something back in 2011. It's it's just when it gets to the end. You mentioned it previously where she fluffs the line and asks about uh, Gail. Yeah. And fucking stupid Dewey doesn't think anything of it. Yeah. And then when he's sitting talking to... Gail. Gail, ah, there's no Sydney, he's talking to Gail, and she's like, how did she know that? And he's like, oh, fuck, I wish I was a good cop. (laughs) (laughs) Running back, and then he gets fucking introduced to the bedpan. Yeah. And like, it's like, oh no, the most demeaning thing to be beaten up with, (laughs) a toilet pan. And she properly, like, falls short of just having his face imprinted on the fucking pan. She fucking batters the boy with it. But it does when she goes when she finds that Sydney's still alive. It's brutal when she goes and starts laying the knee into uh, the fucking stitches. Yeah, uh, it's so fucking sad because it's real and that wound has been stitched. Eh? Exactly, it just sounds horrific. But it's a defibrillator. Ah, uh, I know. And I mean, I mean, I know the film's obviously like it's meant to be like a fucking like play for laugh and stuff, but. I wouldn't have thought anybody would have got back up after that fucking defibrillator to the head. Like nah, you just took a fucking shock to the brain. That that's like getting well shock treatment. I mean, this isn't a fucking your uh, Jason Voorhees or your Michael Myers or exactly anything. a plain fucking like eighty pound looking lassie. Exactly, and that's taking a defibrillator right to the fully charged right to the fucking head. I know her brain should be coming out of her nose. <laughs> <laughs> that should be fucking soup. <laughs> it just reminds me. Do you remember that uh, film, The Incredible Part Wonderstone? Steve Carell and B. Steve Buscemi and the play uh, the illusionist. I've never seen it, but I can't <laughs> what you're on about. <laughs> Jim Carrey oh. play the illusionist. <laughs> oh, I've tickled him. <laughs> But where but Wonderstones <laughs> broke my really fucking shoved his head <laughs> I'm gonna have to fucking see this now. What you're uh, saying sounds horrific, not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh he's broken Drills himself in the head, and it's just the face he fucking pulls. I want to see this face. Oh. Okay. But obviously, that's just. I was looking, it reminds me of you talking about the fucking brain hanging out the nose. 
fuck. Yeah. But aye, then the fucking shoot the lassie. Did they... I forget, was it... A shot to the fucking head or a shot to the chest? Uh, chest, I think. Yeah. And it finally fucking put her down. But I liked because it, it had that and then it kind of cut to all the news reporters outside hailing her as a hero. Yeah. So, but little do they know she's the fucking true psycho yeah. behind it all. And that was it. Cut right to credits. Yeah. He didn't waste any time. And whilst it was a bit longer than I expected to be, it was hour 50. Yeah. Because I always just assumed those films were a wee bit shorter, but it wasn't bad. It yeah. Kept, it kept going. It didn't get really boring. I knew there was like that big focus on like the Stavathon and like the fucking barn. Aye. But it's decent. It's, it's probably something I wouldn't revisit often, but it was good to watch it again after. Yeah. Fucking seven years, Jesus. Mm. Um, you got any notes left? Uh, no, I've pretty much all covered here. So, I guess for the second the time this evening, it's time to lay me, <laughs> lay me out with the BBT. Uh, right. Budget in both of us. What do you reckon the budget was for this one? I reckon would 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 be modest to say fifty. Uh, near enough, yeah. It's uh, forty million. Ah, that's good. I was, apparently, I'd, originally in my head started with 30 and I thought, come on, it's 2011. Like, it's there's some big names in it. Well, from the original characters for the franchise. Yeah. So. Uh, you reckon it made its money back? I think it had to. Uh, domestically, it only pulled in 38 million. Jesus. I reckon, I just assumed it would have done better, but I guess worldwide it I'll say got the rest. Uh, um, foreign market pulled in fifty, so ninety. I think with it, it was like it was like thirty eight point something and fifty eight point something. I think it was something like ninety seven point something million overall. Right, aye. Um, so I mean, almost I pretty much doubled this budget a bit. That's what happened. Two thousand. I was wondering when the last like the gap between screen films was. So it was eleven years. And it's surprising to think, but we, we were watching those films when we were fucking kids, so of course it kind of uh, goes, has to be back that far. Time to tee off with the trivia then. Aye. Um, this was the first time in the franchise, in fact, it's the first time in a film as well, though, that um, a CGI knife was used. Alright. In the film. Uh, because Wes Craven felt that prop knife started to kind of look a bit wooden and rubbery and would kind of fold people could sell alright that's and it was that good you could never tell it was a CGI yeah. knife but normally you wouldn't go looking for those things cause... yeah um, and Detective Perkins his first name was Anthony aye yeah nice I like that I always like it when they do we and yeah we know some deep cuts now I guess on that point, obviously, we've come to the end of our regular show. Uh, if you do your shopping on Amazon, please visit filmsandswearing.com first and click on our Amazon link and do your shopping as normal. Black Friday is coming up, so I don't know. Purchase some, some goodies. I mean, I purchased 25 frosty cereal bars off Amazon yeah, this week. It's for three quid. And my bairns have fucking eaten them all. 25 for 3 quid. Yes. That's why I just fucking bought 25 Frosty bars for no reason whatsoever. Because <sighs> it's like, 
It was it was like trending. It's almost like eight for a quid. Aye, because you think like the fucking bars that you, that you buy like a multi pack. You assume you're and you're buying maybe six for one pound or something, yeah. or or for less than that five. But the Bairns turned a real notion to them this week, getting like a a cereal bar instead of a bowl of cereal, Aye. and then it just turned into crack for them. Came him the day <laughs> in the boxes in the bin, like. I myself being smart enough, I grabbed a handful yesterday and took them to my work. So I had like at least five. But I, the room's just covered in empty wrappers. Oh, fuck. Just going a bit looking for another At night time, getting up and just like sniffing a wee bit like, there's a hit. Aye. Like, where's Tony? <laughs> the tiger with my bars. Aye. He's got the fucking, he's in... Got somebody in a helicopter going, getting the fucking Kellogg's fucking uh, cockroach fucking hanging fat like a fucking Scarface. <laughs> Aye, but fuck it. I reckon what, they're going to be like fucking shaking the morn when they realise all those bars are gone and they're going back to fucking <laughs> the bowl. Multi grain hoops. <laughs> Aye. Um, so, yes, next time on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, it is the start of. Watch what we want. Ah, exactly. Never mind. It's November. Let's do what we want. Ah, never mind November. Mm. So, I reckon who's going to start? Uh, chronological order, I would assume. Okay, so we have. I think it's you, because. Kung Fu Hustle. I think Ghost of Mars come first. Ghost of Mars. Death Proof and Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. So I feel it's between Royal Tenenbaums and Ghost of Mars. Yeah, I think it's Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. Filling in the Jim Carpenter backlog. 2001. Are you buying the 1999 Blu-ray version of it yet? No, there is... I still have... 2001 for Royal and Bombs as well. Oh, shit. So, well, let's toss a coin. Right. So, Tales for Tenenbaums. Uh, heads for Mars. Yep. And it's... Heads. Okay, so we're going Ghosts of Mars, then it'll be Royal Tenenbaums. Then it'll be Kung Fu Hustle. I think so. And then Death Proof. Yes. So that is us <coughs> for the next four weeks. Uh, for our Patreon listeners, stay tuned because after after our little outro, we will be continuing the podcast with our review of Halloween from 2018 from director David Gordon Green. Ladies and gentlemen, fuck off and tune in next week. Mm-hmm. If you dare. <laughs> scary voice, scary voice. Just as you did that, the cat's yawning, so it's kind of like you're dubbing them in. <laughs> <laughs>